Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, let's kick off our post-game coverage on this Tuesday night by going immediately back to Bell Centre in Montreal where the Flames take a 2-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens. And we are joined right now by Flames defenseman Nick Simone after a big 2-1 win for the team. Nick, really appreciate the time and uh, definitely a hard-fought win for your group tonight in Montreal. What would you like about the effort? What would you like about the way your team fought tonight? Yeah, that was big. Um, I think to end the trip, uh, 500. Um, I mean, I think we earned it tonight. Um, you know, we kind of put together as much of a full 60 as you can get. Um, you know, our PK was big. Marky obviously was great. And, you know, we, we scored two and, and that was enough tonight. Third period, they seem to have lots of zone time, but what did you uh, make of the way that your group was able to keep them to the outside, especially protecting that one goal lead in the third? Yeah, I mean, you think the home team down one coming into the third uh they're gonna have a push um you know i, I think yeah like you said we did, we did a good job keeping to the outside you know marky was making the first save um then we're kind of clearing it from there and getting out um you know we bent it a little bit but we didn't break so that was uh that was big for our group nick uh watching on the bench and, and you talked about the penalty kill how uh how much did those guys battle out there on four different penalty kills tonight yeah that was that was awesome uh you know some big blocks Again, some huge names from Markey. Um, you know, the last minute, obviously, that was huge. Um, it, was, it was huge for us. We needed to kill to, to you know, get the win or, or not have it to go to overtime. So I, they went out there and they did a job. Two more quick ones for you, Nick. Uh, number one, you've got uh, Martin Pospisil gets a point. Connor Zeri gets two points. Uh, two of your Wranglers teammates, you're up playing a big part in this as well. Just uh, what's it like having you guys on the Wranglers and, and being able to contribute the way y'all are on this uh, on this NHL team right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome uh, having those guys. Obviously, play with them for, for a few years now and um, you know, we're, we're close friends, so obviously to see them come up and, and have success right away, it's been awesome. Um, I mean, I think if you ask them too, all we want to do is just help the team win games, and, and that's just what we're trying to do every night. And a final thought for you, to, to finish off a three-game trip with a win, I know it wasn't the perfect trip for you, but to be able to come back on that plane with a, a winning feeling, how important is that? Yeah, it's, it's a great way to end it. Uh, you know, like you said, we were 500 on the trip, and you know, we get back home and have two home games and, you know, just worry about the next one. Nick, appreciate the time. Have a good flight and uh, good luck on Thursday against the Canucks. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. Appreciate it. That is Nick DeSimone post-game on the road in Montreal where the Flames take a 2-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens to finish off a three-game road trip with a win, a loss, and a shootout loss. Final score in this game, 2-1. Flames beat the Montreal Canadiens in a close one. Could have gone either way. Jacob Markstrom and the Flames and led by two points from Connor Zeri able to come away with the two points in regulation. Welcome to our Flames Talk post-game show on this Tuesday evening. My name is Pat Steinberg. As our phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Our text line is open at 960-960. You can get in line on the phone lines, get your text coming in as uh, we get things started. We'll hear lots more from the Flames on the road in Montreal. Also have Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills with us as well on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Mick found a way tonight. Uh, they definitely battled for it. It was a close one. It could have gone either way, but the uh, Flames fought hard and they get two points tonight. 
Well, I thought Nick DeSimone said it perfectly that that was, you know, as as much of a full 60 minutes or as close to as you can get and arguably one of the best games that we've seen from the Flames all season long. And again, another thing he said was they they bent a bit, but they didn't break in the third period and found a way to just weather the storm. And Jacob Markstrom, I mean, he was incredible the entire night, whether it was five on five or on the penalty kill. Only goal that beat him was a fluke bounce. When yeah, it was exactly. All said and done. Yeah, it went off uh, Rasmus Anderson off his own D man and and into the net. So just a, a really great game and obviously huge for the team in terms of you know some I guess some a little bit more belief and starting to get a little bit of momentum and really start to feel like they can be a really good team and they can win some hockey games so huge for them coming home and you have to give Ryan Huska and the leadership group a lot of credit it's been an up and down season for them more down than up I think and they really kept the group positive and and kept the mood good that's so huge when things aren't going your way as a team to have a coaching staff and a leadership group to just make sure that you know when they get knocked off that they they write the ship and just a, a great 60 minutes by this Flames team tonight. My biggest takeaway from this hockey game, Jacob Markstrom may have played his best game in two seasons tonight. There was that Minnesota game last year. Remember that, uh, the only shutout he had? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that would be right in the same ballpark, the, these two. Yeah. He was very good tonight. One of the best he's played in the last two years for sure. I mean, the – left pad save that he made on Cole Caulfield and the glove save that he made on Josh Anderson were unbelievable. And they don't win this hockey game unless Jacob Markstrom makes those two saves and he made many others. And he was phenomenal tonight. He, he looked a lot like the guy that he did uh, a couple of seasons ago when he was runner-up for the Vesna Trophy. So that was great to see. The the connection between Nazem Kadri and Connor Zeri continues that duo doesn't seem to matter who's on the right side of that line. Tonight it was Martin Pospisil. Uh, that's been their best line. Uh, I guess a concern for me coming out of this game would be the other lines. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Well, that was our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. And just taking a look at some of the final uh, possession stats on those lines. The the Kadri line was the one that led the way uh, possession-wise, high-danger chances-wise. But here's the worrying one, friends. Wilsey, um, the, the always reliable duo of Backlund and Coleman had Huberdeau on the left. Backlund and Coleman finished at 26% possession. Mm. That line with Huberto, just yeah. under 27% possession. Five-on-five five shot attempts were 19-7 for Montreal with the Backlund line on the ice. Uh, and scoring chances at high danger were 5-1 Montreal. Like, that is not typical of Backlund and Coleman. And I... I, I Sounds like I'm going to scapegoat Huberdeau, which I, I guess I am. But first game they put Huberdeau on that wing, a new experiment, Wilsey, and it, it ends up being the worst line for the team. Like this ongoing quest to get Jonathan Huberdeau going is continuing to find some hiccups, and there was another hiccup in this game tonight. Yeah, I almost feel like they should just put Jonathan Huberdeau and Elias Lindholm back together and let those two guys figure it out because – they had two lines going, right? You had Nazem Kadri between Connor Zeri and 
even though they took him off that line tonight, they could easily put him back there, uh, Yegor Sharangovich. Yep. And then you had Michael Backlund playing with Blake Coleman and Martin Pospisil. So you had two lines going. Yep. Tonight you only had one line going, really. So ultimately, Jonathan Huberto is their highest paid player if he signs an extension, although this number I suggest has probably dropped since the start of the season. But even if he were to sign today, I still think he would be the second highest paid player on the team, Elias Lindholm. They've got to get it figured out offensively. Lindholm's been excellent on the penalty kill. He hasn't been much of a factor on the power play or as good as he can be five on five. And, you know, Jonathan Huberto, he's been a little bit better, but still not good enough, I would say. Those two guys have to figure it out. Um, The Flames aren't going to get to where they want to go if those two guys continue to struggle. So maybe put them back together and say, hey, you're both good players. Figure out how to make it work. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what else do you do, right? And I'll start with Jonathan Huberto and talking about him. And it's hard because, you know, I think we we all see him and, you know, the way that he dealt with the benching, you know, he... You want him to succeed, and you know that he's trying, but I'm going to say something that I haven't said yet because I've been watching him very closely to see if, you know, something's going to come and if he can jumpstart his game, but he looks slow out there. He really does look slow, and the game is it's faster than it's ever been, and it keeps getting faster with all these young guys coming up. The way that guys train off the ice now, they're becoming more explosive, more powerful, and he looks like he just he can't keep up. And it's, you know, his speed without the puck is okay, but it's his speed with the puck as soon as he gets the puck. And that's something that a lot of guys work on. I know that it was something I worked on my entire career was trying to get faster with the puck. And it's really hard to do. And he just looks like every time he gets the puck, he's either stuck in the tracks looking to make a play or when he is moving his feet, He's getting caught and passed by other guys and checked and stripped of the puck really easily because they're catching him. So I think that he looks slow. And so that that's a big glaring thing for me. It's it's not about effort. It's not about finding your game. It's not about a mental mindset. It's just the fact that he looks slow. Elias Lindholm shows a little bit more promise in terms of he had a lot of great opportunities tonight. And, you know, the goal that got called back by Andrew Majapani, he made a great play on that mm-hmm. to put it on the net when he did. And he was dynamite in the OT versus Toronto. So seeing a little bit more from him Another thing that was concerning to me tonight about the line changes was the drop-off of Yegor Sharangovich. He was starting to find some, you know, a little bit more in his game. And Ryan Huska said it, that he'd been playing the best hockey that he's played all season long when he was with Connor Zary and Nazem Kadri. Now you move him down with Dylan Dubé and AJ Greer, and he was pretty much non-existent tonight. So yeah. that's another concern. As much as that line of Zary, Kadri, and Pospisil was impressive, moving Sharon Govich off that line, it, it hurt his play as well. So And Pospisil was good with Backlund and Coleman as yep. well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Curious to see what they uh, if they practice on uh, if they practice on Wednesday, which they might, uh, and if they don't, I'm curious to see what they do on Thursday with these line combinations because we we've talked about it. You, you want to find something that is a little bit closer to continuity, and they really haven't found that as of yet. 
but also these lines that they tried tonight didn't uh, work great guns. And, and to your point, Wilsey, like the, you know that Zary and, and Kadri work together, so you can easily put Sharon Govich back. To, I just, I, that, that remains one of the big questions right now for this team. Well, and if you reunite the lines we just talked about, yeah. and if you can get your fourth line going again, then maybe you, you buy those guys some time to get it figured out together. But if they're playing on separate lines, it's almost like now you're looking for, for two other lines to get going because it, it kind of looks and feels like whoever they're playing with, it, it's just it's not working right now. So I don't know. On paper, it makes so much sense, those two guys together. On the ice, it just right. has not worked. And again, we talked about this earlier in the night. Huberto was taking all the heat, but... There's something to be said about Lindholm's fall off here too. Mm-hmm. And it's alarming from an Elias Lindholm perspective because he's a pending unrestricted free agent, but also from a Flames perspective because if they're not going to sign him to a long-term extension, he will be moved before the NHL's trade deadline. So uh, best case scenario for both sides is that Lindholm starts to play like we know he can. And again, he's been really good in the penalty kill, but five on five and on the power play, yep. things just aren't working. And, you know, for Jonathan Huberto, uh, man, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around what's happening with him right now. I thought playing uh, in front of his family and friends uh, and uh, close to his hometown tonight that might get him going and, and he had a few moments in the hockey game but uh, it just it's not working right now yeah no it's it's definitely not working for him and I hate to say it but you wonder I don't and I asked you before the game I don't know if he's 29 or he's 30 like is that do you do you peak he's 30. At, do you peak at the age of 27 or 28 like is this is he dropping off and he just can't keep up anymore I don't know so yeah. I think everyone is just I don't really puzzled it. by that I hope that's not it um, but I do think he needs to he needs to be faster he's not fast enough right now well um, and as we talked I, about yeah. part of that is that the Flames want to play north south and he's more of an east west guy yeah. don't you think yeah yeah, but regardless, you all teams are playing north-south games now. That's just the way that the game is moving. Right. All coaches talk about wanting to play fast and wanting to be quick in transition and wanting to go north with the puck. So, and especially if that's the style that the Flames want to play and he's your highest paid player, he's going to have to figure out how to play that way. Yeah. So, And I don't know how you do that if that's an off-season thing that you need to spend that much time in the gym or training or what it is. But one thing I will say about the line combinations is that they won the game. So maybe that's how the coaching staff looks at it too, that they won and something about it, quote-unquote, worked. So they may just stick with the lines as well. Mm. I just, I'd be I surprised. Hey, I, Pat, I heard you talking about this on Flames Talk today. I think the Flames might be at a point where they have to look outside the organization to try to get Jonathan Huberto some help. And it, it it's shocking to even say that. But they've tried him with just about everybody on this team. It hasn't worked, at least not consistently. And he's under contract for this season and seven more. I just don't know if Anthony Duclair is going to make that much of a difference, you and know? I, because I, 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 I read, I, I must have read that article by Vanessa Kuzer at sportsnet.ca 15 times now and watched all of the different video clips that she threw in there. And 
Calgary's D doesn't activate the way like Florida does. They yeah. don't have finishers. They don't have elite players like Florida does. It feels like he is completely lost with his teammates. And 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 to Mick's point, when you talk about him playing slow, it looks like he is thinking every single time mm-hmm. he has the puck on his stick, which I can't I, – I would imagine if you're Jonathan – it's been 15, 20 years since you've thought this much when the puck gets on if your ever. stick in offense. Like, he's always been just such a natural and, and high-end, yeah. yeah, instinctual uh, and cerebral play reader. And, and his hockey IQ is what got him to four straight seasons of point per game or more, including – 115 two seasons ago. It blows my mind. He had 115 points with the guy we've seen with the Flames. I does Anthony Duclair make that much of a difference? That's and and I'm not even saying I'm not even saying it's a bad suggestion because I think you have to consider everything. I just wonder if that could do it either. Well, and his centerman that season was Sam Bennett for the most part. Yep. So he was playing with good players, but not with great players at even strength. He was playing with great players on the power play, but. I just I don't know if there's another answer at this point in time. I do wonder, though, and I've, I've thought about this a lot, especially of late, would Jonathan Huberto be struggling like this if Jacob Pelche wasn't injured before the season started? I, we won't know the answer to that question, maybe ever, or at least for a little while, until Pelche comes back, but I don't know. There, there seemed to be a connection there. There certainly was sure. off the ice. Yeah. I just think that the only thing that's going to help Jonathan Huberto is himself. Fair. (laughs) It's his mindset. It's not thinking so much out there. And it is somehow playing faster. It's uh, it's going to be the biggest story until it changes. Uh, on the bright side, the Flames do pick up the two points tonight. 2-1 the final score. They beat Montreal at the Bell Centre to come home 1-1-1 and on this three-game road trip. They'll kick off a two-game homestand on Thursday against the red-hot Vancouver Canucks. Let's select tonight's hardest-working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest-working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon is hiring. Send resumes to jobs at Canyon Plumbing. Dot com. I'll see if I write down the right one to see if uh, I guess what Mick's going with, but let's see what she goes with. <laughs> I feel like this one's a, an easy guess, too. Connor Zary. Ah, uh, I went to uh, I I not... Markstrom. Oh, really? Yeah, I, oh. I, I was going to guess Markstrom. Yeah. No, I'm going to go with Zary. Obviously, Markstrom, I mean, he was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. So he gets the honorable mention. Connor Zary, um, and I'll tell you why, not because of the goal and the assists and the two points and being plus two, but also because he played the sixth least amount of minutes on the team tonight and was the most productive. Mm-hmm. That to me is really impressive. Mm. Just what he does with the amount of ice time that he gets. It's hard when you, you sit on the bench for a couple minutes and you have to go out and um, you know, you're a little bit cold and I know that, you know, they're professionals and they have to figure that out and deal with that. But at the same time, it is hard to do. So I give him credit for that. Uh, also give him credit for the amount that I thought he was roughed up a lot more tonight and, Obviously, teams are going to start getting wind of this kid in in terms of the type of game that he brings and how he's able to be really dangerous offensively. So, you know, a guy like um, 
Um, the Montreal Canadiens, like, like Arbor, Arbor oh, Jacka. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was thinking, I was thinking you were going to compare Zary to Caulfield. No, I no. Oh, saying. I thought. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, no. Arbor Jacka, like he roughed him up a couple yeah, of yeah. times tonight, and you know he took it and and he went with it, kept his feet moving, got you know hit and got right back up. So just really liked the way that he handled the physical game that the Montreal Canadiens threw at him as well, and he just continues to be. So impressive. Connor Zary is your hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. I can't remember the last time I was actually looking forward to the Vancouver Canucks and seeing them in person, but they are rolling and they're the next opponent for the Flames on Thursday night. Just the third time, Wilsey, they played inside the Pacific Division this year. Edmonton, yeah. Seattle, and now this game against Vancouver. So big one coming up on Thursday night. That's next up for the Flames. That's a 7 o'clock face-off on Thursday night, but before we can get there, we got to roll through our Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your po- uh, podcasts. we got the phone lines open at 403-240-4444. we got the text line open at 960-960. We'll get there in just a second. We'll get to head coach Ryan Huska in just a second, but first, some final thoughts from Megan and Derek and our broadcast duo, starting with Mick. Yeah, really liked the game that the Flames brought tonight in terms of, you know, Ryan Huska talks about playing the right way. They, you know, they played a, as close to a complete 60 minutes with some disjointed lines. And as much as three out of the four lines didn't really work, they still found a way to win. And that's largely in part to Jacob Markstrom and his sensational play. Their penalty kill continues uh, to be clutch for them. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be on to the next, you know, check that one off, come home feeling pretty good. You in, enjoy the win on the way home. And then you got to turn the page because the Vancouver Canucks are coming at them hard. I feel like that was a big win for the team yeah. because, oh, Two and one, or oh one and two, I think feels a lot different for them than one one and one. Three out of a possible six points and a five hundred record on the road. So I think it's something they can build on. And the other thing is, when you lose six in a row, as they did, you have to avoid long losing streaks pretty much for the rest of the season. If they had lost tonight, that would have been three straight losses, mm-hmm. and uh, not. Uh, a good feeling for them on the long flight home from Montreal to Calgary. You know, for me tonight, uh, it all starts between the pipes. Uh, I said it before, I'll say it again. Maybe the best game that Jacob Markstrom has played in two seasons since being the Vezina Trophy runner-up. He was outstanding tonight. Uh, two saves in particular that you will see on the highlight reel. That uh, left pad save that he made even though he was leaning the wrong way to his right, throws out the left pad up into the air and takes a goal away from Cole Caulfield, who was unbelievable tonight, by the way. Didn't have a point, but uh, eight shots and 11 attempts. He probably could have had a hat trick. And then that glove save he makes in the third period on Josh Anderson that had the Canadians forward just looking up into the heavens, wondering what he's going to have to do to score a goal. Jacob Markstrom was simply outstanding tonight. And how about uh, the rookie? I call him a phenom. Might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, he has been fantastic for the Flames. Connor Zary, 
with his first career two-point game, a goal and an assist. He's got six points in six games to start his NHL career. He's only two points behind the team leaders. Yeah, I was about to say. Despite the fact that he's only played in six of the Flames' 15 games. He's been such a bright spot. Martin Pospisil had another strong game, so... Uh, uh, that line that you nicknamed Kadri and the kids, they were pivotal for the Flames tonight, and that's a big win. So let's see if they can build off that. We're at a point now where if they lose three, four in a row, you feel like changes are coming. But when you can come home with a big win like this, maybe you buy yourself some time to to get back into it. So uh, anxious to see uh, the Canucks. Uh, a little terrified to see the Canucks with the start. Yeah. <laughs> They're off to, too. Yeah. Uh, maybe see you at practice tomorrow, and maybe not. Uh, I can't imagine they're going to practice tomorrow. I know, that, I know that Ryan Huska doesn't like days off after trips. That's mm. the only reason. That's a late night. They uh, remember how late they were on the last one, and they still practice the next True, day? and I guess you get some time. You get a couple hours coming back from the East. Maybe they'll do like a noon practice or something. Yeah. If they oh, do, that's, that's what the schedule guess. says. Noon. Oh, oh is it? Yes. So there you go. Yeah. Well, we'll yep. see you practice on, <laughs> on uh, whatever day. Might be an optional is. for us. Yeah. Uh, bye, friends. Bye, Derek and Megan signing off on our Flames Talk postgame show following a Flames 2-1 win on the road in Montreal. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska right now as he breaks down his team's 2-1 win on the road. Our goalie was our best player. I thought Markey had uh, a real good night, especially late in the game when um, they were coming on. Um, he made some really big saves for us. But I, you know, I liked the way Cads' line played. I thought they did a lot of good things offensively for us. They were the one line that I thought had some chances in the offensive zone. So uh, those would probably be the, the two main things for us. You talked about momentum. Yeah. Um, looked as though that game seemed like it was momentum, maybe for both sides, the swings. Yeah. Of it, but just the idea of maybe a, well, it was a complete game. It seemed like a character. Uh, well, you know, we wanted to go home on this trip 500. We had an opportunity to do that. And... I, I, I think the players were ready to play. Um, this is a quick team that we played against, we felt, and uh, we had to skate. And I thought as the game got on, we started to pick up the pace the way we did things with the puck and, and with some of our decision-making. So, no, it was, it was a good game. It allows us to go home on a good night. Obviously, a couple of big spots in that third period, and, and one of them maybe as the goal comes back, but just yeah. maybe your response after that and the way you finish the game. Uh, that's uh, It goes back to Les's comment about uh, momentum. Like it, it shifts a little bit when it gets waved off because now they feel like, okay, we're not down two. We still have a chance. So, um, you know, we gave up some stuff um, at the end of the game, but Marky was our best player, as I said, and he made the saves we needed him to make. These kids continue to make it interesting, don't they, yeah. for you? Good on them. They've yeah. done a real good job. Both uh, uh, Zari and Poss have done uh, an excellent job for us. And, like, Zari and Kaz have seemed to find a little bit of chemistry, and we were wondering how it would work with Posby uh, on that line. Um, and he did really well. Like I thought that was our most consistent line, I would say, to And, you know, these are big markets and big spots. It's oh, right yeah. on younger players. We're talking Toronto, Canadian markets in Ottawa, and yeah. certainly here, there's not much bigger. So to see them respond like that has to give you a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. And what a thrill for them, too. You're, you're called up to get a chance to play here. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty neat thing that they'll always remember, and they had a great game as we talked about. How would you surprise the final two minutes there? I mean, a late penalty. It was a very close yeah. game. Just your team's effort in the final few um, it was a little scrambly. I wish we would have cleared the puck on that penalty kill towards the end. I don't think it needed to be as stressful as it was the last few seconds. But um, I think when you get games like you know your goaltender is really feeling it, it allows the guys to feel a little bit better about themselves if they had to make or if they happen to make a mistake in front of them. And 
um, there was some good commitment at the end of the game because, we, as we said, we need we need wins, and this was a good one for us. Head coach Ryan Huska post game in Montreal, where the Flames take a 2-1 win over the Canadians to wrap up this three-game road trip. Pat Steinberg along with you. Phone lines open 403-240-4444. Text line open 960-960 to your texts, to your phone calls around the corner as we continue along. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Following a Flames 2-1 win on the road in Montreal to wrap up this three-game road trip. Uh, Flames go 1-1-1 one, one, and one on it, so they uh, hit the 500 mark on this road trip. They approved their record to 5-8-2 on the year, coming home for a two-game homestand starting Thursday against the Red Hot Vancouver Canucks. It's Pat Steinberg along with you as our Flames Talk post-game show continues on this Tuesday night. Phone lines open. They're a little thin, so if you want to jump in on a Tuesday, you won't get a busy signal right now at 403 2 Four zero forty four forty four. Text lines jam though. Keep getting those in at nine sixty nine sixty. It's time for tonight's save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. A uh, stellar performance from Jacob Markstrom between the pipes and his save of the game comes in period number three. Up the fireboards to Caulfield. It goes down little Suzuki. The Habs have pulled their goaltender and have an extra attacker on the ice trying to tie this game with a minute 12 left. Here's Monahan in front. Anderson shoots. Oh my! What a glove save by Markstrom! A 10-beller, no doubt. That ends up being one of the 33 saves made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kidsport Calgary. Visit Shane Homes.com, the better way to build. An outstanding game, his best of the season, no doubt about it. Really promising night for Jacob Markstrom. So they didn't start him Friday in Toronto. They didn't start him Saturday in Ottawa as he was dealing with a really minor injury. They held him out, gave him that little extra time to rest. He comes back and he was stellar tonight in Montreal and along with Connor Zeri, the main reason why the Flames come home with two points out of this game and can uh, start off this homestand on Thursday with a winning feeling. So big night for Jacob Markstrom and uh, that really important is, look, I mean, I wonder if they've updated the numbers yet on NHL.com just to see how much his save percentage jumped from one game to the next. He entered at Eight ninety six, and he jumped up to nine oh five with this thirty three stop performance on thirty four shots. His third win of the year. He's up to three six and one on the season. Let's hear from Jacob post game in Montreal. Yeah, it's uh, you know, like I said, it's a it's a team win, and I thought we did a great job, and uh, you know, letting me seeing the pucks and seeing the shots and you know every rebound there was there was uh, you know one of one of our guys there to clear it out and uh, you know big goals and uh, you know then to you know it got close at the end but you know we we had hung in there and you know everybody did a great job from blocking shots and, and clearing and, and the penalty kill was it was really good once again can you take us through the save you made on josh anderson on the doorstep what did you see uh well uh i don't i don't know who had the puck behind the net but i you know, maybe I left the post a little early. I was going to go to the other side thinking he was going to wheel the net. And, you know, then he popped it in the middle. So, you know, I kind of just bailed on the post. And, 
you know, saw that he was, uh, you know, trying to shoot it. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, one of those days is they got they got one bounce with the goal. So it was nice for me to get a bounce. You've had a bunch of games this season where you've been able to make incredible saves. Do you feel you've been in a zone throughout this year? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel good, but, you know, it's uh, about winning hockey games and, you know, especially uh, stringing a few together that's that's important with the with the start we had so you know we got to look forward and we got to enjoy this one and then you know go home and and uh, get excited for the for the home stretch here what does that third period say about your group i mean they're obviously it's a one goal league going in you know it's significant in the you know finale of this road trip but just you know the way that you were able to manage it yeah i, I thought it was really good and you know it was really important to for us to get a win here and you know leave this road trip 500 and you know it's not good enough, but you know that's what we can do uh, with this trip uh, today. So it was it was a big win to, to finish it off, uh, finish the road trip off with a win that was big. And you know we gotta we gotta look forward and, and get ready for Thursday. The group was able to shut down all of Montreal's power plays. How aware were you of Cole Caulfield when Montreal was able to get the man advantage? Uh, I mean they have a great power play, and you know I think they're top 10 in the league or whatever but you know they're they got dangerous pieces they you know Suzuki's really good at you know slipping the puck in and especially finding Caulfield Caulfield and I thought uh you know our guys did a great job blocking you know when I wasn't in the net or you know I was out of position they you know I had my my forwards and D-men there to to bail me out so it's a big team win there you go. That is Jacob Markstrom, who was stellar tonight in Montreal as part of a 2-1 win over the Canadians. Let's get uh, into the text line for the first time at 960-960 on your Flames Talk postgame, starting with... Um, I think this is from uh, Dylan. Uh, we heard Derek ask uh, talk about the idea of bringing in help outside the organization for Jonathan Huberdeau. Where do you stand on that, Pat? Also, if you were Ryan Huska, would you consider making Jonathan Huberdeau a healthy scratch sometime in the near future? Um, where am I on it? I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I just, whether they bring somebody in to help or not, he still needs to get himself going. So I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to it. You know, if you wanted to go and try to acquire Anthony Duclair from San Jose and only had to give up a fourth or a fifth round pick, which is what San Jose paid to bring him in from Florida, then I, I, can, understand, I can understand that type of price. You know, they, there's some salary cap implications he'd had to figure out and some other things there, but... If you wanted to do that, I'd, I'd be fine with it. But I still don't think it changes the fact that Huberto's got to get himself going and this can't be a scenario where Duclair comes in and, and he's the tonic, right? But can't hurt depending on the price. Now, what I would not do is use one of your pending UFAs and try to get Duclair that way. Like, I wouldn't trade Zadorov for Duclair. I wouldn't trade Tanev for Duclair. I'd still be looking to get future assets for those players or younger assets for those players, draft picks, prospects, those types of things, um, and, and maybe think about going after a player that could suit Huberdo in a different way. Um, this says, good evening. Thinking of the Huberdo and Lindholm conundrum, here's the question for everyone to ponder. If the team could get a player that Jonathan played with in Florida, a line mate that he had there, uh, then could you see a trade involving Lindholm to get a former line mate back for him, renewed chemistry? Again, I would not be trading Lindholm for somebody like Anthony Duclair. 
I would be trading Lindholm for first-round picks and prospects if I'm trading Lindholm. So I don't think you use your best assets to chase a player to help Huberdo. I think you can go do that in another way without using your best apps, assets. Um, this from Jeff. I liked Megan's observation that speed may be a factor in Huberdo's decline. I've thought for a while now that Jonathan's play looks lackadaisical and uninvolved, but I know he cares and is working hard to turn things around. Perhaps Huberdo's just playing a bit slow. I uh, really hope he gets something figured out. Great game. So excited. Exciting. Rather go Flames. Um, this says another thoroughly entertaining game on the road in Eastern Canada. Now how can we derail the mojo? I know I'm asking for a trade uh, out of varsity. That's from Greg in Parts Unknown. Uh, this says, Pat, I think that they need to use Huberto like Joe Thornton later in his career. Get him productive on power play one or power play two, then shelter him five on five. Cut back his minutes, even strength. I don't really know either. It's a problem right now for sure. The problem is they have sheltered him at five on five. He's got the second highest offensive zone start on the team. And it still isn't helping him out. So they have sheltered him, and he's still tr- uh, struggling. Uh, this says, at what point did the Flames sit Huberdo for a game or two? Every line he plays on right now fails. That comes from Caleb. It's troubling. When Lindholm and Cole, uh, sorry, not Lindholm, when Backlund and Coleman are that poor in a game, as soon as you put Huberdo on their line, those guys never give up high-danger chances like they did tonight. It's a problem. It's a really big problem. So, moving into um, the the first part of the question, I think you're still a little ways away from sitting him, but I don't think it's out of the question, even if it is just for a game to see if sitting and watching from up top can help him a little bit. This from Sam. Uh, Pat, three out of six points out east. Not bad, but the schedule doesn't get any easier. I hope this iteration of the lines stick at least for a larger sample size. Markstrom was brilliant. Big Z showed up. Only helps him and the Flames conduct their trade business. At this point, I don't see any chance of Zeri going back to the Wranglers. How long till Pelche returns to the lineup? Um, and fingers crossed he could be the spark for Huberto. If not, call the aliens back from Space Jam and let Huberto touch the puck to get his powers back because I'm out of ideas. Uh, that's from Sam. Uh, Pelche, I would say December would be the earliest that we'd be seeing uh, him return to action. Uh, this says... If this is a complete 60-minute effort, I don't know what to say. Markstrom stole this one. One fluke goal, but a four-and-a-half expected goals against. So you could argue this is a five- or six-goal-against game without Markstrom. The backland line was horrendous. Huberto might need a trip to Mexico for two weeks. Mangiapane looks like he's only playing for himself. Lindholm's playing okay, but not nearly enough. Dubé's working hard, but largely unimpactful. If this is the result of a complete 60-minute effort, then the trades might as well start tomorrow, and I wouldn't just stop at the U.S. FAs because that game was this close to a 5 or 6-2 loss and complete panic. Uh, this from Sarah in YYC. They played hardish tonight. Glad they won since they won't on Thursday. That's uh, Sarah, who's a Canucks fan. Neil in Calgary says the boys had good pace tonight. There was better offensive zone possession than I think we've seen all year. Markstrom was stellar. Finally, I'm so glad I picked up Zary in my fantasy league when they called him uh, called him up. He's a stud. Did you think he was this skilled and poised before the call-up? Well, I knew he had a ton of skill um, just because that, that was the book on him coming 
coming out of junior. I knew there was a lot of skill there, but what I didn't necessarily anticipate was that skill being able to translate at the highest level as quickly as it has. That's the thing that has surprised me so far. Uh, this says, Pat, an impressive win in Montreal. I can't remember the last time a Flames goalie stole one for the team. Markstrom did tonight. The miss 2-0 was ridiculous, though. Can't complain too much after a win. They ground out two points. Last time I can remember a goalie stealing a win was uh, that Markstrom game in Minnesota late last year, which was his best game of last year. This was his best game of this year. He was very good tonight. Uh, Seb from McKenzie says, Markstrom was impossibly good this evening. Nice to see the other team goalied for a change. Also, what an incredibly selfless player he is. Markstrom postgame was all about complimenting the team in front of him that helped in the win tonight. That's very much how he always is. 100% consummate teammate. This says, Huberto seems like a guy that confidence or lack thereof rules everything. Can you imagine if you trade for help, especially familiar help, and then it doesn't work? He'll be destroyed. If they're open for business, I'm trying everything to make him tradable. His dark cloud is no good for a rebuild. This from Craig. Guys, we really need to stop suggesting that anyone else but Jonathan is responsible for Jonathan. No Duclair, no Pelche, and definitely no Lindholm make any difference the way he's playing. It's on him. He's been so good over the past number of years that he elevated his line mates and not the other way around. This has become clinical at this point. That's from Craig. Um... This says, we'll always take a win. The offense on this team is frightening. Kadri line was clicking and good for Zeri. I wasn't as worried about Kadri as much as Huberdo. You would think Huberdo would have been flying tonight being the game was in Montreal. I was hoping that maybe a possible trade destination down the road to his home province. I can dream, can't I? Um, this from Joel and Cranston. Pat, another game, another useless effort by Huberdo and another costly penalty by Manchapani. Both should be moved out of town sooner rather than later. Uh, and finally from Stafford and Boness. I thought it was a solid 60-minute effort out there tonight. This is the first game that the squad looked comfortable with their new zone defense. Young Guns not looking at a place. Markstrom on his game. Question, what is the timeline for Pelche? Someone has to help Huberdo find his mojo. Maybe Pelche can be that guy, or do they make a play for Duclair? Huberdo didn't play bad tonight, but at $10 million, he should be an impact player, and he's just not being that guy. And Stafford, I think Pelche would be December, and I think that Duclair, sure not out of the question. I just, in the end, it's going to be all about Huberto getting himself out of this, not anybody else, whether it is Anthony Duclair, Jacob Pelche, or anybody else. Okay. Good stuff on the text line. We'll jump back in there a little bit later on. 960-960. Let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight at 403-240-4444 as the Flames take a 2-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens. We kick it off by saying hello to George on the phone lines. What's up, George? Not much, brother. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. Good. That's good to hear. So I'll start off with a very simple question, but have you ever seen a fall from grace from a player in the NHL like we've seen with Jonathan Huberto right now? I don't know. I'm sure there have been, but this one's pretty dramatic, right, what we're seeing right now. It's it's crazy to think. It's crazy to think. Like, I, I can't recall. I've, I've gone back and looked, and I can't recall – a player going from playing like and putting up elite numbers to to this, it's it, it, it's hard to wrap your, your brain around it, really. And I know people are talking about bringing players in, but my rebuttal to that is when 
when you got a player like this who's performed the way he has in Florida for four years straight, we're talking about having to bring in a player to improve him now? Like, he has got to get out of this by himself. Well, I mean, again, and and that's fair. I don't even disagree with the the premise of that, but you also have him for seven more years at $10.5 million. So... I know, I know. You kind of, you kind of have to, you, you kind of have to leave no stone unturned, don't you? Yes, absolutely. It's true. It's just frustrating even talking about. Oh, agreed. I mean, it's it's the money, fact that we have you know? to be talking about it is is super, uh, is super concerning. Yeah, I wonder how close we are to the point of this guy getting healthy scratch at this point, Patty. Because I just, I don't know. And, I, and to be honest, healthy scratch him. I don't know if that will. Really help him, but it's it's he's not even contributing positively to the team. I wonder if that wouldn't help the team more than it would help him, which defeats the entire purpose, I guess. Right? Yeah. To move on from that, the other uh, person we brought in. So reports are out apparently that Nazem Kadri doesn't want to be part of a rebuild with this team. So, do you think with his improved play lately that you could? possibly get a return a good a decent return from if you were to trade him or is that contract been just like basically what i'm asking is could you get a return for him outright or do you think that if you ate some of his salary i think if you ate some of his salary i think you could yeah therein lies can you imagine eating that kind of any amount of salary for that many years well it would be it would be five after this year um, and I guess the way that you could I, I could sell it to you, George, is okay. Yes, it's not necessarily ideal. Um, say they ate, say say they ate the max for the next five years at three and a half million dollars. That's still three and a half million. That's not on your cap, and you'd probably get a decent asset for for Kadri as well. Like, I you kidding? I think at three and a half million dollars with the way he's playing right now, like Kadri. If you're thinking about trading him, and and I heard I saw the report. It was uh, Darren Drager over at TSN who who reported it uh, that Kadri uh, doesn't. Or, or likely, as much as he wants to be in Calgary, wouldn't be super keen about a rebuild, which I think is, uh, uh, I think it's a better chance than not than that, that we're going to see that. Like I think it's a better chance than not that they do pivot and go in a different direction at some point this season. So if Kadri's not keen in being a part of that, well, if you're if you're going to be rebuilding anyway, it's going to take a few years. So what do you care if you got three and a half million dollars for three years on your cap, and then by the time you're ready to come out of it, maybe then the cap's up, and there's only two years left of eating salary on it. I think you could get an asset. You telling me Colorado? You telling me uh, a few other te- Boston? Like, I, I just think there would be numerous teams that would be interested in bringing that guy in at three and a half million dollars, and he's been their best player for the last couple of weeks here. He was really good again tonight. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, then uh, I again, I broken record time here, but I continue to be very impressed with Zarian Possible. Uh, right now, both belong in the NHL, and uh, Zary, Zary, in Zary's case. More and more, I'm starting to believe that we really found something in him more than even I thought. Like, I believe the way he's playing right now and the opportunity he's been given, I think he can be a bona fide top six player for, for this team for years to come. Like, uh, at first I thought top nine, uh, but right now, like, the way he's playing right now, it's in a sea of negatives this year. That has been him and Pospisil, and to a lesser degree, Disamone, but him and Possible, like, have been really, really bright. It really makes me 
have that hunger to see just out of curiosity at this point what, what more players from the Wranglers can do. And they're playing like out of their minds right now. Like, the, like they're 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 beating Bakersfield right now. Like, man, it's it's awesome to see. That that's that's the, that's the one thing that's really like you know keeps me excited uh, about what's going on right now. You know. Yep. Absolutely. So. We'll see, man. Uh, as 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 we say, the story goes on. So uh, that's all I got for tonight, my friend. But I hope you're doing well, and I hope you have a good night. Okay, you have a good night, George. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, take care, my friend. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Following a Flames 2-1 win in Montreal. It's Gerard up next. What's up, Gerard? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Not too bad yourself. I'm doing well. I uh, watched the game, and yeah, as everyone else was saying, I'm really impressed with the young kids. Yes, but absolutely. one thing that I want to bring up is does Huberto, he should take off his A off his jersey because I don't think he deserves it at this point. Well, so the problem with the problem here is that I don't think we're talking about a guy who is I don't think we're talking about a guy who doesn't care. I don't think we're talking about a guy who isn't trying, and I do think that He's a pretty solid leader on this team. Um, you talk to you talk to a lot of players inside that locker room. He is a, a a leader on this team. So I don't think that we're talking about a guy who is a poor teammate or doesn't deserve to have a letter on his chest. I, I think we're just talking about well, a guy who's really struggling. What's that? I think it, I think it would help send a message to him. My only counter to that would be. I don't think Jonathan Huberdeau thinks he's playing awesome. Like, I don't think this is a, you know, Huberdeau's not listening. Huberdeau thinks he's the best. Huberdeau's playing for himself, and everybody else sees something different. I think what we're talking about is Huberdeau cares. Jonathan knows he's not playing well. Jonathan knows he's struck. I don't think he needs a message sent, which is why I even push back, at least right now, on the whole idea of healthy scratching him because I don't think this guy needs a message sent to him. I don't think that helping healthy scratching him would work. He sat for a period, and that didn't do anything at all. So why would all of a sudden ripping a letter off of him do anything? Well, I just think that other players, I think, might deserve it a little bit more. I don't know. I, I just, again, I don't think that this is a... This isn't a story of, of him being a poor teammate or a poor leader or anything like that, you know? Well, he doesn't seem to be leading much on the ice. Yeah, but I will tell you that he's extremely well-respected and well-liked behind closed doors, which is, is important when you're wearing a letter. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah, that's really all that I wanted to say. All right, Gerard. And, look, I mean, I think when talking about getting this guy going – Anything is on the table, so I don't really think that it's like a, a bad. I I just don't know if it would have the desired effect, but I understand the I understand the reasoning, man. I do. Uh, have a great night. Hey, appreciate the call, Gerard. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Uh, let's go right along. 403-240-4444 with Mark up next, following a two-one win for the Flames on the road in Montreal. What's up, Mark? Hey, Pat. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, with Huberto, I, I, I think he's kind of a beaten, he's kind of beaten down and I'm not sure another, you know, taking a stick to him, you know, by taking away the A or benching him me, I don't think that's going to help him get back on track. I think it's, 
you know, it's one of those things you can only, you can't punish someone to play better when he's trying. You know, I think he's trying and the effort's there. Problem with, with Huberto, in my opinion, is he's a guy that he doesn't contribute in a lot of other ways other right. than when you know, the puck is on his stick. Right. So, you know, if you don't hear his name, it's because he's not, really, he's not really a guy that hits. He's not really a guy who's in the corners. He's not really a guy who makes the big defensive player, makes the big, you know, that's, that's what's really hard is, at least with Kadri when he's struggling, sometimes he'll do something, you know, that, that really put, does some, you know, puts him out there and you start to recognize that he's actually on the ice. Yeah. Um, and that's really tricky with Huberto. So I, I'm, I do like the idea of him playing with Coleman and Backman, even though the results were not good, because I do wonder if maybe there's an, a possibility of giving him some smaller wins around improving his defensive game, kind of a la uh, Alex Tangay back in, in the second round where he started to pick up some, you know, some, He's got great vision for the ice. You know, maybe you can use that in some other way uh, defensively. And he hasn't been a strong defensive player. In his, you know, he's never had to. But I wonder if there's the possibility that you might be able to, to add value some other some other way. Um, the Connor Zary talk is awesome. What's really cool about Zary is from my memory tells me that he was a pandemic pick. He was um, their first pandemic pick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which. Obviously, scouting is was particularly difficult, if I remember correctly. That time, you didn't really truly know what you were getting, and I think people kind of expected it's like that's going to be an all over the place kind of draft where guys that you get in the first round are like I forget his name, Mahmoud Dublin, who I remember when when that pick was made by the Devils, the <laughs> buttons lost his mind because he's like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Um, and you just never know what the guys are going to turn into. So that's the good news is it was like an open, like you just didn't know, but you also, there's a very good chance you would have, you could have busted. And he didn't seem like a guy that was trending, you know, last year um, to become the, the player he's become. So super stoked to see where he, what he does. And I do think, I wonder if there might be, there might be a place where he, he could try. I don't want to, 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 to put an anchor on him and stop him, but I do wonder if he could lift up. Huberto um, and playing him maybe with Huberto and Sharon Govich might be a potential because Sharon Govich works really well with, with Kadri and has that shot. And then Zeri's got the energy that and some of that speed. So I do wonder if that might be a way to, to um, try to unlock Huberto a little bit, but at the same time, as I said, I don't mind the idea of giving him some more additional defensive opportunities. Only well. problem is, is that man, Boy, did it struggle tonight. I know. And I know. And, and the other thing is you've got this duo of Coleman and Backlund that is so good for you. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna lose that if it's not and I mean look, I actually didn't mind Huberdo. Maybe it's just a one game thing. But I think mm-hmm. there's a decent argument to be made that right now what we're seeing from Jonathan he might be worse than he was last year and so last year I didn't mind Huberdo with Backlund and Coleman in this game with a Huberdo who looks even more at times like a shell of his old self eh, it really hurt Backlund and Coleman yeah I think it's to me it feels like a case where like Huberdo all of the excuses kind of got stripped away Last at, at during the off season, and it started, and, and so he it felt very much like his mojo was back, 
And then when it didn't work, it's like, then you can only look in the mirror. And um, that's really, really hard. So I'm not sure what you do with him. The good news about a, you know, a retool is it feels like, you know, it looked at the time like uh, Huberto was the perfect fit. Well, maybe he was a perfect fit from a different puzzle. Um, that it, and it didn't actually fit when you try to put it in. And maybe the, the, the question is, can you start, when you retool, can you sort of find guys that can bring out the best in him? Not necessarily Duclair, but guys who play a style that bring out the best in him. Yeah. Maybe it just isn't a fit. And that might be the only way we can get him really, truly back on track. But, yeah. So, yeah, thanks so much for the call, and uh, have yourself a great night. All right, Mark. Good stuff, man. You have yourself a great night. You take care. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames win 2-1 in Montreal to uh, snap a two-game skid and to come back on this road trip with a 1-1-1 record. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game show as we say hello to James. What's up, James? Hey, Pat. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? All right. Uh, so, uh, Markstrom saved uh, glove saving the third. That was a game sealer for us. If he had left that in, oh boy, I don't know. I don't know if we'd win the game or not. Yeah, I don't know. What's I mean, thoughts? would have tied the game, and then you see where it goes from there. And um, that uh, that uh, penalty uh, from Mark Dupani, it was absolutely reckless. He, with this, he's he's using his stick for a cross check again. Like he's got to be careful. Um. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it the it was a little it was a little less egregious than the suspension. Um, yeah. He definitely he definitely bumped him, and I I actually don't even think Matheson intentionally sold it, but he did go down really easy. Um. So it was kind of a borderline call. I, that was actually one of the Manjapani penalties this year that I was less upset about. Okay. And I got a question. Uh, where do you think is the draft is going to wind up, and where do you think we can get for him? I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts. Thank okay. You. I appreciate it, James. Jeez, I mean, there's a lot of spots that could end up making sense. Um, I'm going to say just because he's been connected there since the summertime, though, I'll take the easy road and say, um, and say he'll end up in Toronto. What do I think they can get? Well, we know when Tree likes a guy that – Tree being Brad Tree Living, the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, that he's willing to go out and get him. I think you could get a second and a third, or I think you could get two seconds for a guy like Zadorov. Would a first be a little much? Yeah, probably, especially if we're talking about the Maple Leafs because they have their first this year, then I think they don't have one for the next two years after that. But I'll say Toronto, and I'll say you can get a second and a third or get uh, two seconds, something like that for Zadorov. We'll see. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number, and we say hello to Anand. What's going on, Anand? Good evening, buddy. How are you? I'm good. The streak got broken. We're not going to go 82 for 82. <laughs> yeah, actually what happened was uh, we had my niece's birthday. It was her sixth birthday on Saturday, and then I think I texted in a little too early, so I, my message didn't get through. So I think that's what happened. It's too bad. It's too bad. But it's good to have you on. What's going on? Yeah, uh, doing good. How are you? I'm well. 
Yeah, uh, it was a fantastic event tonight. I just want to say the line, uh, lines of uh, Zari, Pospisil, and Katri. That's the one of the best lines I've seen so far. Uh, Katri scored, um, and Zari as well. Uh, amazing performance by them. Uh, yeah, Huberto still remains a question for me if he's uh, ready to play or not. Do you think if anything will change if he puts uh, some youngsters or rookies with Huberto? Do you think his confidence can come back up and he can perform better? Potentially. I mean, at this point, man, like, I, I think that you kind of, there's really no wrong answers, it feels like, at this point, just because it, it's gotten so stale with him. Um, so that, yeah, if you if you were to do that, like what you're talking about, um, I think that could be a possibility. Um, yeah, I, I really don't think there are any wrong answers. So maybe maybe it is a Zeri or a Pospisil. Maybe it is a Pelche when he's ready to come back. I, yeah, it's it's at this point, I think you're willing to kind of do anything to, to try to get this guy going, especially with your internal options. I mean, maybe you're not ready to do anything when it comes to making a trade to help him, but with what you've yeah. got right now, I think you're there's there's probably a lot of things that you're willing to do. Would it be feasible maybe to scratch him if there are no younger options that we can place him with? Because I really like the Connor Zari and Kadri and I don't want to switch up Kadri too much around as well. Do you think uh, scratching a game for Hubado is another option if it uh, deems so necessary? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I still worry about that because you know, I usually am a proponent of doing something like that when you're talking about a, a player that, you know, is is kind of more of a, you know, we're talking about a lazy player, right? And a guy that isn't, um, that isn't trying, trying is not even the right word, but um, who is, it's just been a little bit more lackadaisical and, and I just, I, I don't get that sense with Huberto at all. I, I don't get the sense that we're talking about a guy who is doing this for lack of effort or lack of caring or lack of trying or anything like that. So I'm I'm skeptical that doing that would actually have the desired result because Huberto knows he's struggling and he knows that it's not working. And so I just I the the desired effect that you'd want by healthy scratching a player. I don't know if you get it. That's that would be my only concern with it. Okay, last. All right, thank you. Uh, last question for you, maybe Matt Coronado. I know I was uh, following this course of uh, what do you call the Wranglers game as well. Looks like he's gaining momentum back. Do you think he might get called up anytime soon here? I do think that they uh, they've been very happy with what they've seen. So wouldn't be a big time shock if we see him back up in the not so distant future. All right, sounds good. All right, but uh, thanks for taking my call. Have a good night. No and problem. I'll try to keep up the screen streak and have a good night. Okay, and appreciate it. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 2-1 win on the road in Montreal as Calgary improves their record to 5-8-2 and two on the year. They'll come home for a two-game homestand that starts Thursday against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, let's go back inside the Flames locker room. Let's check in with Connor Zeri. Nicknamed him the hardest working Flame. Had a goal and an assist. His goal was the game winner. It's his first ever multi-point game in the NHL. Here's Connor Zeri post-game following tonight's 2-1 win over Montreal. 
Yeah, uh, it was good. I think it was pretty back and forth, obviously low scoring, but I think we played our game for majority of the time, and, and when we kind of let go a little bit, you, Marky was excellent tonight, unbelievable. I saw the stop at the end, and uh, that's what wins you games right there. So I think overall it was a good game, and to come to the Bell Centre and, and this environment and, and win is, is huge for our team. The line continues to produce offense, so just maybe take me through your sequence that led to your goal and kind of how you found quiet spot in front there. Yeah, we just kind of talked about a face-off play and then ended up going to the wall post, made a good play over to Andy and I was able just to slide back door and, and kind of find a little soft spot and Andy made a hell of a play and and uh, I kind of just had to stand there, put it right on my tape and I was able to shovel with him. When you look at that third period, what impresses you the most about you know the way that you handled a, a one-goal lead? You know, eventually it looked like it might have been a two-goal, but just the way you managed that third period. Yeah, I think it's just the stick-to-itiveness. Uh, we just kept playing our game and, and like like I said, when, when something went wrong, Marky had our back. So I think that was that was huge for us to kind of have Lee go into the third and keep it and, and play with it and get a win. There you go. Connor Zeri game in Montreal. Let's now select tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Well, Kadri was great. Zeri was great. Zeri already named the hardest working flame. So our player with heart tonight, I'm going to go with the third member of that line because I thought Martin Pospisil had himself a great night. Uh, another point for Pospisil. So now he is starting to be pretty productive as well. He's got two goals and four points in five NHL games. So Martin Pospisil producing, but not just that. He led the team or was tied for the team lead with four shots. He had five shot attempts, which was tied for second on the team. So four shots, five shot attempts. He had three scoring chance and one high danger chance to go on top of the assist. I thought Pospisil was really strong once again. So Martin Pospisil is your player with heart tonight. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for heart fit assessments and proven treatments. Not available at your doctor's office. Visit heartfit.ca. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Your final score from Montreal. Flames take a 2-1 win over the Canadians as we continue along in your Flames Talk post-game show this evening. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time. And another really strong performance from Nazem Kadri. Probably goal of the year from Kadri with the goal that he scored at 235 of the first period, to second period rather, to make it 1-0 Calgary. He has been really strong now for about two straight weeks. That is an encouraging sign. We know that Huberdeau is a big topic on the negative side. On the positive side, Nazem Kadri has probably been Calgary's best player the last two weeks or so. Here is Kadri postgame following a 2-1 win on the road in Montreal. Well, I think, you know, for the most part, it was a good start from us, good first period. I think... Uh... Obviously, Marky stood on his head when we needed to. We scored some timely goals, and uh, you know, it's tough building the win, and it's a, it's a big win for us. It seemed like a real momentum game, didn't it? Like there was pace, there were saves, there was a little bit of edge to it. That seemed like a kind of a character win. For sure, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, to to fight back to, to 500 on this road trip, I think uh, you know means a lot. You know, obviously, you want to always do better, but. Um, you know, to not let it get away from you when it does, I think, is is a, a major character builder. So, you know, for us, like I said, they're they're a skilled, high-paced team. That's exactly what we saw tonight, and we had to we had to skate with them. And your line continues to just find that consistency, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we uh, you know we, we want to play with the puck, and I think that's the key. Is is out there. Uh, 
you know, you can't be timid or discouraged if, if uh, you know, things don't always go your way. You got to stay persistent, and, you know, that's kind of what I'm uh, trying to preach. You, you go in the third with a lead. How did you kind of see the way that you played that third period and what maybe you did to Yeah, I don't, I don't think we were too passive. I mean, obviously, we expected a push in their home building, and, uh, you know, obviously, our penalty kill did a great job to, to uh, keep them off the score sheet. And, uh, yeah, I think we had a couple opportunities, and, you know, we stay patient and poised and, uh, you know, I'm pr- proud of our defensive effort tonight. What does it do for a team's confidence when the goalie is just clearly dialed in from the Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, uh, you know, we, we don't uh, we don't have to tell our t- ourselves twice with Marky. I think he's always going to be there and he's a, a backbone of this team. And obviously, if we want to be successful, he, he's going to have to play well. But we also got to play in front of him and, uh, and uh, you know, steer some traffic away. But he played incredible tonight. What will this team take from the win here tonight? Uh, two points. <laughs> there you go. Two points indeed. The Flames uh, need as many of those if they're going to want to save this season and uh, make themselves a little more relevant than they are right now. They did get two points tonight, and they do so in a 2-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens. It's Steinberg along with you as your Flames Talk postgame show continues. Text line remains open at 969-60. Phone lines remain open as well. Uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Back to you inside the uh, text line and on the phone lines in just a second, but let's look ahead first. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up is Vancouver. Flames will host the Red Hot Canucks on Thursday night for a 7 o'clock face-off. Uh, Flames were 2-0-2 against the Canucks last year. All four games decided by one goal, so they uh, came away with six of a possible eight points last year in the four-game season series with the Canucks. Uh, so that is coming up on Thursday. Then a 5 o'clock start Saturday for a game against the New York Islanders to wrap up the quick two-game homestand. And then they're back on the road on Monday uh, when they kick off a little road trip against the Seattle Kraken. But first up, it's the Canucks on Thursday night, 7 o'clock face-off. That game will be on Sportsnet West. And that's our Looking Ahead feature brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Okay, back to the text line we go at 969.60 tonight. Lots of Huberdo texts and uh, lots of other texts as well. Uh, this says, I think what Huberdo is mostly struggling with is his mental game. Nothing will help until he gets out of his own head, and I believe he needs to work with someone like a mental coach offseason. Didn't Markstrom go out and get similar help this past offseason? I think he's on the right track this season, isn't he? Why? Well, Jonathan did do that. He did work with a mental skills coach or, or um, sports psychologist or, or whatever term you want to use. He did and, and did so quite extensively. So um, not to say that he couldn't do that more or again, but he has already tried that. Tim writes, hypothetically speaking, Pat, if Pelche were to come back tomorrow, who comes out of the lineup to allow Pelche to come in, in your opinion? For me, I, I read that text in advance and started thinking about it. And to me, it's pretty easy that you'd take out Greer. And that's not a knock on AJ's game because I think Greer has actually been a pretty good pickup and a nice fourth liner for him. But what Greer doesn't have is the versatility because you're putting Pelche back in. And what Greer doesn't have is the versatility that some of the other guys who might also be in that bubble would like 
Sharon Govich can play center and play the wing. Um, and Dubé can play center and can play the wing. So, yeah, if it were me, and we'll see. Again, the good news is, well, good news is the wrong term. But for this conversation, he's not coming back tomorrow. So there may be other injuries or other things to consider when that happens. But, yeah, if it were right now and Pelche were ready to come back for Thursday's game against Vancouver, I would be taking out Greer. Who knows where Pospisil or Zeri will be in a month or a month and a half if when Pelche is ready to return or who knows what the injury situation looks like. But right now, that would be my answer. Um... This says, I feel like you could get a team to overpay for the idea of Zadorov, big physical defender who lays some big hits and scores a few old school GMs will line up. And that's why I say I think you could probably get yourself a second or a third, second and a third or a couple of second round picks. I, I feel like it might be tough to get a first round pick for Zadorov, but who knows? I, I mean, to that texter's point, his size and his skating, his kind of throwback style, I think would definitely um, it's, it's going to attract some GMs for sure. Uh, this says with all this talk of Huberto, I'm reminded by what Brian Burke once said, you shouldn't feel pressured to trade. If you get nothing in return, you retain the cap space. Wouldn't we love to have that $10.5 million right now uh, while they have the benefit of hind- hindsight Berkey was right. That comes from Mike. This says sitting Huberto won't do anything for him, but at the same time, he's doing nothing for the team. He's been a negative on his line mates. This from Andrew and Renfrew. In defense of Huberto, one, hockey's a team sport. The man has got minimal help from teammates to get back on the horse. Two, constant badgering from fans and media is preventing him from focusing on finding his game. Three, environmental factors in Calgary. Elevation, eight months of winter, 1970s arena. Seems like a jarring change from Florida. What do you think? I think that there's a lot of excuses for a guy making $10.5 million. And I'm not suggesting that that is all correct. I'm just saying um, if those are the reasons, like if playing in a 1980s arena, not 1970s, um, or more media attention um, or elevation are having that much of an issue that seems like kind of an excuse, you know, especially at that contract. That would be my response. Now, I'm not saying that I think that is the case, but that would be my response to that. Uh, Dan and Cochran says, regarding calls to trade Huberdo, I feel the, o- the only way to do that is to eat $5 million for eight years and throw in a couple first-rounders, if not more, to Chicago or San Jose. Do we actually want to give those picks away when they're likely about to rebuild? Those are the very assets they need right now. I wouldn't trade him until the rebuild's nearly over. The team will be short. The term will be shorter. The cap will be higher. The cost will be lower. lower. Great win. Go Flames. I, I Honestly, I don't think there's been a lot of talk about trading Huberto. I think that's an almost untradeable contract. I think he's untradeable as a player right, right now. Um, we did talk a little bit about Kadri and potentially trading him because I think you could get something for him, especially if you're eating a decent chunk of that contract. Um... This says uh, to George when he asked about, can you think of a player who's fallen from grace quite like Huberdo? Uh, this texter says Jonathan Chichu and the first year, uh, first few years of the Skinner extension come to mind. On the Chichu front, yep, absolutely. You hope it doesn't go that way with Huberdo. On the Skinner front, Jeff Skinner's rebounded pretty nicely and has turned into a pretty important player on the Sabres all of a sudden again. So maybe that can help. In uh, maybe that can help 
on the Huberdeau front, or maybe at the very least, that can be something optimistic to think about on the Huberdeau front. Um, what's the buyout cost on Huberdeau? Never before have we seen an, a contract worse in the NHL. Makes the nurse contract up north look okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're quite at buyout territory yet just because of how much that would end up costing and what would be on the cap for Oof, if you bought them out this offseason it would be 14 years uh, that would be on the uh, on on the cap so probably not yet if you ask me um this says from Shoops, entertaining game tonight. If the Flames don't want to rebuild, I'd like to see them try and trade for a finisher, try to maximize on Huberdeau's age. Do you think that's possible? Could be if they decide not to go in that different direction. Could absolutely be. Uh, Laura says... Uh, Laura in Legacy says, Lindholm's line is the worst line on the team. When will we start talking about Kadri line one, Backlund line two, and Lindholm line three? Leave Huberdeau and Lindholm together to figure it out as a third line. There you go on the text line at 960-960. Back to the phone lines we go. It's Pat Steinberg along with you as the Flames take a 2-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens. And we say hello to Chris on our Flames Talk post-game show. What's going on, Chris? Hey, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Very good, thank you. Um, talking about uh, Huberdeau, he's a great player. I think he may just need to be knocked down a bit to possibly a fourth line. Hello? I'm still here. I, I'm sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, sure if you were done or like if you're uh, adding okay. more to that or not. Okay, and uh, I just think that uh, his we've looked at the Flames with a $6 million guy, Lucic. We had uh, the Montreal guy today, Monaghan, on a fourth line. Uh, they both rebelled and came up and did very good things for their team and continue to keep doing things for their team. And I believe that maybe he needs to go back to knowing hockey again, maybe on the fourth line, watching the top players and then slowly making his way back up to the top lines. I don't know. Well, again, like as as I've said, I I really don't know if there are um, quote-unquote bad uh, bad ideas at this point when it comes to when it comes to trying to get Jonathan going because they need him to get going desperately. Um, the only, I mean, I guess depending on the type of fourth line that you were to put together, I mean, sure, why not give that a try at some point? Uh, I don't know if it necessarily has the desired effect that you're talking about, but maybe it does have a good desired effect. So again. When you're talking about a player that you need as a team to get going the as as much as they need this player to get going, I, it's, it's kind of tough for me to sit here and say short of like, well, you got to move uh, Huberdeau to defense. Uh, short of things okay. like that, I, I think mm-hmm. that the very least, pretty much everything somebody suggests is, is going to have some validity. So, yeah, I think there's potentially something to that as well, Chris. I just think it's uh, something he needs to get back to and understand the game from the back end and then come back up again to where he was, where he is an elite player. Yeah. 
you know, so um, at this point, I don't know, but I think that's the best scenario for coaches to maybe go with him and he needs to keep playing and um, everybody in front will keep going as well. And he'll have to watch everybody and move back into that spot where he's a elite player. I think that's honestly the way he's going to come back with the team. If he doesn't, then yes, of course, we'll need to move. Need to move him, right? Which is obviously easier said than done. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah. Which is not an easy yeah. thing to do. No, true. But uh, I think, uh, you know, looking at the past uh, Flames history and the players and where they went and then did well for Calgary and then they left and did well for Calgary again, like Monaghan and Lucic, uh, Boston and Montreal. Um, they obviously have a certain mindset to be able to do something for their team that they're playing for. Right. Okay. All right, Chris. Well, uh, let's, let's see where this story goes. Okay, great. Well, thanks for your time. And, uh, have a great evening. Okay, you have a great night. Thanks, Chris. All right, Joe. Uh, let's say hello to Han on the phone line. What's going on, Han? Oh, not too much. How are you doing? I'm well. Good to hear from you. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Nikita Zdorov. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard you're uh, like, we can get like second round pick or third one, something like that. Well, I, I don't. I honestly don't know what they could get. I just, I just, you know, spitballing in my head, looking at what other uh, defensemen uh, no, around the trade deadline I, have I, gotten. I, agree. Uh, I, I think. Just hold on. 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 Let me finish the sentence. Uh, I think that kind of a second and a third is a decent ballpark for the Flames to shoot for. Uh, so I have the next one. How about Chris Tanev? Um, and I, I think that he's kind of – I think that the returns for Tanev and Zadorov, I think would be pretty similar ballparks. Uh, they're different players, no doubt. But I think when talking about Tanev, you're talking about a guy who's a little older, obviously has the injury concerns, um, and doesn't have the, the offensive potential upside that a guy like Zadorov does. But he's also one of the best shutdown defensemen in the NHL. Although I, I will say I, I do feel like Chris is – struggling more this year than I can remember since he's been a member of the Flames, but he still is one of the better shutdown defensemen in the NHL, and I think the teams, especially playoff teams, would, would likely be lining up for him and and would likely be ready to pay significantly to bring him in. So I, I think similar... Um, Similar packages. I think you could get, you know, second and a third round pick, something like that for for Tanev as well. Uh, okay, and uh, like, what is about Kadri? He wanna get out too as well? Uh, well, no. Okay, so basically, what what the story is uh, over on the three letter net, the three letter network, um, which is over at TSN. I believe it was uh, Darren Drager who reported on their insider trading segment that. Nazem Kadri wants to be a flame, wants to be in Calgary, but isn't necessarily in love with being around if they do decide to take a step back and rebuild. So that's why there's been some talk about could you move a guy like Kadri. So it's it's not that he wants out. It's more that that, that was just the report. 
report that we heard um, a little earlier this evening? Uh, so definitely, it's like like uh, Zdorov, like where he, uh, his agent come and said exactly. No, 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 uh, no, 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 not this one. This is just oh, a, no, no, oh. no, no. He's not asking for a trade. No, no, nothing like that. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I I just want to make sure I said like otherwise, if nobody wanna stay, just they just you know get the hell out of me. Like if someone doesn't wanna stay, I don't care. Uh, I'm thirty and living here for a long time. I want here if they don't wanna be here. I, Find somewhere else. Uh, I like it. How about Huberu? Uh, his game is not there. He's supposed to be. And I think it's a long marriage. It's a very long uh, marriage. And uh, the divorce is not coming. Uh, how we can, like, we, we had tried, like, he played with every single player in our team. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, he should take like some time off and go like think about it. Okay, where I stand because if I think if it continues for next even couple of years, I don't care even how much money he's making. But you know he's a player, he's an athlete. He's going to think about it. Okay, what I am performing. So mentally, how long he can even go with that? Yeah, you know, I don't know. We don't think about, but but, uh, but as an athlete, you know, they play or they don't play. Yeah, I I uh, I don't know. I I honest at, at this point, I don't know how the Flames figure it out on the uh, on the Huberto front. I really don't. Uh, no, that's all. Uh, thanks for taking call, and we'll talk soon. Okay, Han. Good to hear from you. All right, yeah, uh, take a couple more calls on this Tuesday night following a 2-1 win on the road in Montreal, starting with Vince. What's up, Vince? Hey, how you doing, Pat? Good, man. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, good to see the Flames win. I'm glad they found a way, a way, a way to win tonight. Um, let me rephrase that, actually. Markstrom found a way to win tonight. <laughs> yeah, Markstrom was great tonight. <laughs> yeah, he was stellar tonight. He was in the sky tonight. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to say something about uh, positive about the history of the, of the franchise, the Flames. Uh, I think maybe I mentioned you this before, but anyway, uh, the 1989 Stanley Cup winning Flames, right? The team uh, is the only team in the history of hockey that had six 50 goal scorers on that team. They were a uh, they were a very good team that year. Yeah, they they were the, the in other words, six guys on that team scored fifty or more at least once in their career. In their career, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 for sure. There's the and so I, that I would be just quickly that would be Mullen, Lube, yeah. Newendike, Roberts. Roberts. Just hold on, just hold on. I want to see if I can get them all. Yeah. What you want to say? Okay. Mullen, Lube, Gilmore. Newendike. No, Sorry, not Gilmore. Uh, Mullen, Lube, Newendike, Roberts, Flurry, and Lanny would be the the six, right? Yeah, yeah. And they all did it with the Flames, believe it or not, at least once. Yes. Not unbelievable. It's not in the same year. Obviously. No, no, no. That would be really unbelievable. You know what I mean? So that's how talented that team was. Oh yeah, they that were they were out of their mind. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I think it's the only team ever that had a Stanley Cup winning team that had six guys like that. I take your word for it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I think it's true, but uh, anyway, uh, I just thought I'd phone and um, glad to see the planes win and they keep going. But uh, the frustrating thing, of course, is the Hubero with the, the way he's playing. Uh, personally, I always thought he was a pretty good player. I don't know, he came to Calgary and he seemed to have I lost his. Um, yeah. I don't, <laughs> he's hard to figure out. I don't know how they got to figure this one out. It's a lot of money to be stuck with, even though um, I'm sure it'll ease up a, a little bit if the salary cap goes up in the next few years. But that, that, that doesn't give you uh, any consolation, I guess. I mean, it's still, if it, if it doesn't turn around, doesn't matter how much the salary cap goes up, it's still going to be a yeah. rough contract to, to swallow for a, might, a long time. Get rid of them. Which I, I just, right now, it's almost like that's, it's, Seems almost he's impossible that you can do that. That's surprising me. Like he's, it's almost like he can't keep up. I don't understand that. It and, and and I think it goes back to what Megan said earlier on the post game show. He's just he looks slow and not necessarily just physically slow. Just everything that he does looks like it's happening slowly. And he's yeah. got to figure out a way to to play faster here. Yeah, maybe he's got to change his diet. Or something. I don't know, Vince. I have no idea what it's going to take at this yeah, point. Yeah, I know. I'm just joking, of course. Okay, anyway, nice talking to you, Pat. Good to hear from you, man. Yeah, we'll talk next time. Yeah, bye. And our uh, last call tonight, following a Flames 2-1 win in Montreal, is Parsons. What's up, Pars? Hey, brother. I w- actually, I was just trying to look up those stats on McDonald and Fleury in that year. Um, anyways... Um, they didn't score fifty that year, but they yeah they they scored fifty at one time in their careers. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, sixty six, and yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm glad we got the win. Uh, Markstrom obviously was a big factor in that, and um, but uh, good for the team. I thought Zari had another outstanding game, and he continues to be an interesting prospect and. Mm-hmm. I've loved what I've seen from this guy so far. And um, the one other guy that I've been kind of following throughout his AHL and a little bit previous was Pospisil because he's a little bit of a throwback player too. And um, I always found him to be an interesting prospect. So it's I'm glad to see him doing pretty pretty decent for his uh, cup of tea so far. Yeah, there's I, I would I would have next to no complaints if I were the Flames in terms of what I've seen from uh, from either guy. But, you know, I think that it's maybe a little less surprising on the Zeri front just because he is a first-round pick. Although, for me, it's a surprise how quickly everything is translated for him. But on the Pospisil mm-hmm. front, that was a little bit less of a known commodity, I think, and he's been really good too. Because I think he captained his last uh, his last uh, junior team before he came over to the Wranglers, but um, I could be wrong on that. But um, yeah, I hope uh, Anderson's thumb is okay. I think that was his thumb that got exploded tonight. Yeah, he he was able to he was able to play through it, so that is good news. Yeah, that's good. That's um, so. I'm just gonna kind of uh, oh. Um, Last three things. Um, I'm not sure where everything I, is on the contract front with um, 
Lindholm, but the reason why I bring that up is I'm not wondering if he's not regretting taking what was on the table and maybe what was on the table is on pause. I've heard a couple of conflicting, but no, I, what, I, it, it is on pause. They're not having okay. contract talks right now. Yeah. So because honestly, Pat, I haven't really liked what I've seen from him so far this year. Well, he definitely, he definitely isn't helping his uh, leverage no. situation. That's for sure. <laughs> that's why I'm thinking he might have. Maybe he should have signed that contract and called it a day. But um, that being said, uh, two last things: uh, Zadorov. I was thinking about this heavy last night. Mm-hmm. What is your honest feeling? You know, when a player asks for a, a trade, and especially through their agent, and how that all played out. Yeah. How do you feel about the guy still being in the locker room versus the press box, um, being around the other players, the possibility of injury, so on and so forth? How long are you going to sit Zadorov for three months maybe? Well, do do you think it would take that long? Yeah, I do. I think you need to wrestle back. I don't know if it's going to take three months, but it might take a month, might take a month and a half, might take two months. took 30 games or so to trade Sam Bennett. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I just yeah. like I, I just you're a professional hockey player. Your mm-hmm. job is to go out and play. If you want to trade, you damn well better go and play well because that's gonna help you get out of town. And True. I see the thing that is frustrating, I think, on the outside is that okay, Zadorov wants to be traded. Fair enough. But he hurts himself or his agent hurts him. Mm-hmm. by going public because it takes the leverage away from the team. And yeah. so you want you want to get traded, well then don't hurt your team's leverage cuz that's going to delay getting traded. Yeah. So that's that's what I having I'm, I've had a hard time wrapping my head around why these hey. agents decide to go public because not only does it, you know, I don't I don't think it really has the desired effect of putting the pressure on the the GM and and oh no well now Conroy's going to move him because it's out there publicly. I think instead it's like okay well we we understand you want to get traded but we also got to make the right trade so this is going to take even longer now. So well, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I fall on it. No, and you know what, I'm 100 percent with you because his agent essentially just made things very awkward for everybody. Um. So I, I did not think that that was a very smart move at all, you know, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I think he – I don't know. I don't know if these guys just want to be in the spotlight or what. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was a pretty silly move because he's been playing good. So they he should have just kept that professional and in the background. And poor Zadorov saying, well, he's looking out for my best interest. Well, yeah, well, you can think that. But I think he just kind of killed some momentum on your behalf. But – like, if you go um, and do that behind closed doors, I think it's a whole lot more effective and a GM yeah. is like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I, you never do it on the player's timeline. Like, you always do it with, with a trade request. You're always going to do it on your timeline as a team, but at least if mm. it's done internally, you're like, okay, you've done this in a professional manner. Uh, we'll, we'll get to work and see what we can do. Whereas now... There's also the whole idea of, well, hold on a second. You don't call the shots here. We're going to do this on our own timeline, so maybe you dig your heels into the sand a little bit more as a team. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure it's uh, awkward for Big Z and his teammates and all that stuff too. So I don't know. The the whole thing stinks. But 
and which is sad because I really like Zadorov as a player, and he was one of the guys who seemingly wanted to stick around. So yeah. that's unfortunate. But I'll, uh, my last thing here, I know, I know, I come up with some weird th- uh, ideas sometimes, but um, Huberto, uh, we're, we're going to have him for a while. And that being said, I always looked at Huberto, and I know he hasn't played it. But I always looked at him as a center, and that's something I should. I, if it was me, I would try him there, and I'll tell you why. A, I've always looked at his style of player, whether it be like an Adam Oates or a great playmaker. They, they usually were centermen for a lot of times, and maybe he just needs a new challenge, Pat. Like maybe, maybe that's something to kind of, you know get him a little bit inspired to new, learn a new role. Like, I think he's perfect for the sentiment position. He's a great playmaker. Um, I don't know, Parse. He's also 30 years old. Yeah, but, hey, I mean, we, we have, like, the next seven, eight years with the guy. So, I mean, I, I would try anything at this point. And, and I mean, he's listed. Been, he's, he's, uh, he's played the position before. Um mm-hmm. Because he's listed as a center. I believe he's still listed as a center. If you go to NHL.com or um, – yeah, like, yeah, on, yeah, NHL.com still lists him as a center. So, oh, okay. he's played the position before. I just – I don't know if – remember how much he didn't like playing right wing? Mm-hmm. I, I, I personally, I would try him there. Um, I'd give him a new assignment. Uh, how do you like the way it's going with Patrick Line at center? Yeah, well, I'm not really digging Dubé at center either. So I mean, you know, maybe we can shuffle things around a little bit. But I don't know. I I, I think he'd be a good center, but that's just my opinion. You know, he's a good playmaker, and 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 he seems to work magic up the middle all the time. So I don't know. He's got good hands and tight. So, but uh, yeah, I think that's all I got there for tonight, there, buddy. Okay, man. It's good to hear from you, Parse. All right, you take care. Okay? We'll talk soon, man. You bet. At least it wasn't move him to defense. That's the one that really gives me a headache. Um, I wouldn't move him to center, but I mean, really, I mean, at some point you gotta, he's gotta get out of it. Whether he's playing goal, playing defense, or playing his natural left side, like he's gotta figure it out here in the very, very. Like, this, this can't go on forever. They need Jonathan Huberdeau to be a good player, and they need him to be an impact player, and they need him to be offensive, and he's not being any of those things on a regular basis. Uh, great stuff on the phone lines. Great stuff on the text line as we start to wrap things up on your Flames Talk postgame show on this Tuesday night. It's time for your final summary as we had no scoring in a pretty entertaining first period. Didn't get our first goals. In fact, the only goals all came in the second period. The Flames, who never trailed in this game, opened the scoring at 2.35 of the second period. Nazem Kadri picks up his third of the year. Kadri from Connor Zeri and Nikita Zadorov to make it 1-0 Calgary. That lead lasted for approximately, well, not approximately, it lasted for exactly 17 seconds because, yes, less than 20 seconds after the Flames went out one nothing. The Habs get that goal back. 
Gustav Lindstrom picks up the first of his season to make it 1-1. Christian Dvorak and Uri Slavkovsky, the assist at 2.52, so two goals in 17 seconds had this a 1-1 tie. But the Flames uh, go back out in front with less than seven minutes to go in the second period as Connor Zeri finishes off a nice tic-tac-toe passing play right off of a face-off. Connor Zeri's third of the year from Rasmus Anderson and Martin Pospisil at 13.07 to make it 2-1 with a goal and an assist. Zeri with his first ever multi-point game in the NHL. Flames led 2-1 after 40 minutes of play. They thought they'd gone out in front 3-1 in the third period, but an Andrew Mangiapane goal was wiped out due to an offside and a challenge from Montreal, so it remained 2-1. Habs had their opportunities to tie. They pushed hard, but were unable to do so. Jacob Markstrom shut the door the rest of the way and as well. The Flames come away with a 2-1 victory. No scoring in the third. Final shots for 34-29 Montreal. Flames finish 0 for 3 on the power play. Montreal 0 for 4 with the man advantage. Your three stars in the building. Number 3, Uri Slavkovsky. Number 2, Jacob Markstrom with a goal, an assist, and a game winner, Connor Zeri, the number one star tonight. With the win, Flames improved to 5-8-2. They're back in action Thursday at home to Vancouver, while Montreal falls to 7-7-2. They're also back in action Thursday at home to Vegas. That is your final summary. Now for everybody involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg. Uh, That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Next up for the Flames, Thursday night, they're at home to Vancouver for a 7 o'clock faceoff, which means we're on the air at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. Have a great rest of your week. Final score from Montreal and the Bell Center tonight Flames 2, Habs 1. This has been your Flames Talk post game show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.